I'm tearing up. <laughs> it's just about hate. screamed right now, but I'm not even there. <laughs> now that's inspirational, Natalie. <laughs> I feel inspired today. Part two I, of I, this. Can, I could be here for another hour. <laughs> no. I always go, he winds up homeless on the street. It's my fault. <laughs> I don't know what got into my head, but I thought, I thought this thought, you know, if I'm working year-round, I might as well get paid year-round. <laughs> Sweet Talk is a weekly 20-minute podcast brought to you by the Continuing Education and Workforce Training Division of Idaho State University's College of Technology. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud, and subscribe today. Now, it's time to get started with Sweet Talk. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sweet Talk, our weekly weekly podcast here at Idaho State University Continuing Education uh, Workforce Training. And as always, I have my co-host, Gary Salazar, our director of our department here with me today. Gary, how are you doing today? Thank you, Paul. I'm doing wonderful. Every time you do that, that introduction makes me feel like I should be at the ballpark or something. That's just awesome how you come on like this. I've been working on that radio voice. You get, you're getting better at it, man. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. You know, you know, J- you know. Sadly, Jason no longer is um, on the podcast, and so I, I've been trying to up my game, up my game on uh, on you know being the kind of introductory person um so uh it's a beautiful day today uh if for anyone who's listening we are recording this on a friday morning and it's a nice beautiful friday morning and we're all looking forward to the weekend Oh yeah, you bet. I, and it's been raining so much out here. I, I got grass to cut, so unfortunately, <laughs> it won't be raining this weekend, and I'm going to have to work. You know, but, but I'm looking forward to getting it back in shape. <laughs> All right, hey, um, Gary, we have a special guest with us today. Is that correct? We do. We're going to reach into college technology and pull on one of our one of our distinguished faculty, and I, I believe a director. His name is uh, he goes by Johnny. Is Eugene Demikin? Welcome, yes. Johnny. I hope I said that right, and please yes. correct me. All right. Uh, you, he's going to be our guest today, Paul, we may, and we'll be talking a little bit about uh, a subject that, that I know very little about. It's uh, a program that he leads. It's called uh, Respiratory Therapy, so I'm, very, I'm keenly interested to learn more about this. Um, Johnny, welcome. I appreciate you making the time to be with us today. Uh, it's nice to have you with us. Uh, I've, I want to make sure I've got this correct. You are the Director of Clinical Education for Respiratory Therapy. Uh, program director. You're the program director. Thank you for um, respiratory therapy, health occupations department, College of Technology, Idaho State University, and that's a mouthful. If I got all yes. that right, yes, you have. Awesome. Welcome, Johnny. Uh, to get started, uh, we 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 always like to learn a little bit about our guests. If you wouldn't mind sharing a a little bit about your background, you know, and how you got to Idaho State University. Sure. Well, first off, I want to thank you all for having me. Um, well, a little bit about me. I'll just say where I was born. I was born in Ukraine. I uh, came to America in 1995. Uh, I was raised in San Diego, California. I graduated from Ranch Bernardo High School. I went to California College of San Diego, uh, which is a college in San Diego. Um, after I got my associate's degree, uh, I passed my, uh, well, I got it in uh, the respiratory therapy. I passed my board exams. I became uh, a tutor at first uh, within that college. Uh, then I became uh, 
a tutor at Stevens uh, Hanover College, then started teaching there. Uh, then I started, after that, I uh, moved on to Salt Lake Community College and uh, continued teaching there as well as uh, being the clinical director of respiratory therapy there. Uh, from As I was uh, working there, I was also working at uh, St. Joseph Villa, which is a uh, small facility, a uh, skilled nursing facility in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, as well as Promise Hospital, which uh, pretty much uh, extracted itself from uh, the LVS hospital that was there, which was a big hospital, into a smaller one. And then, uh, then I came here as an anatomy and physiology uh, instructor uh, at ISU. Uh, Later, I find out that they needed some help in the respiratory therapy program. So I have my RRT credential, uh, which qualified me to be the interim program director. Then I became the clinical uh, interim clinical director after that. Um, and then I went back to program director, except I'm permanent now. <laughs> so... That's quite a journey. And, and that's a lot of experience under your belt. Uh, and, and you went to in school in, in San Diego, or that's where you grew up Correct. in after coming across from Ukraine. Awesome. So how long have you been here in, in, our, in our United States? So, well, I moved here when I was three years old. Three I'm years 29. Old. Okay. So. All right. Very cool. Well, it's, it's nice to have you on board. And I'm glad you're here at, at Idaho, State, Idaho State University. Uh, and you're working with uh, Dr. Henry O. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Because we've had uh, Henry O. on uh, a podcast before, haven't we? Paul? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, actually, Henry uh, is very impressed with you. Um, you know, he, he came to us and uh, suggested you as a guest. Um, he, you know, so Henry, Henry, Henry thinks you're a great guy. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> so yes, I know. Um, and, and he won some kind of an award, Paul. I, I think. Yeah. Johnny, you won an award recently, didn't I you? I did win an award. Um, I got Teacher of Honor uh, Award of, by Kappa Delta Phi, which is a international organization uh, at the beginning of 2022. And another accomplishment just recently uh, was that I got appointed as Vice President for the Utah State Society of American Medical Technologists. Oh, wow. Wow. That, that sounds very, very That's impressive. A nice yeah. credentials. Hey, um, just for uh, me being a layman, um, can you just explain what respiratory therapy is? Of course. So not a lot of people know about respiratory therapy. Everyone knows about, you know, nursing, CNA, PTA, OTA. So respiratory therapy hasn't had its light shined on until the COVID-19 pandemic hit. And now a lot of people know more about RT. So what we mainly do in the hospital, uh, we focus on the cardiopulmonary system. So the heart and the lungs, as well as the airway leading to the lungs. Uh, so patients that cannot breathe or they're unconscious not breathing, uh, we instill artificial airways uh, and we can simulate the breathing for them using a mechanical ventilator. So a mechanical ventilator, is, is that like um, something that goes through the tube and it's just, set right. up, you know, it just automatically pushes the air in and out? That's right. Put them on cruise control and they go. 
I'm glad they have cruise control if they're unconscious. But do you do that also for people who are conscious if they need help breathing? Yes. They can be awake throughout the pretty much the well, they're not going to be awake through the procedure. They're going to be sedated and paralyzed. But right. when they wake up from it, you know, it's not a very comfortable situation. But it, patients normally don't stay on the vent more than a few weeks unless they are really downgrading you know especially with covid some of them don't make it unfortunately uh but usually the turnaround is within those couple weeks where they can get extubated and you know taken off that support yeah i mean you are correct that um we have got a much bright brighter light shined upon uh, people who do, um, you know, help with ventilation over the last couple of years. Uh, in fact, uh, I, I can't imagine any news story about COVID, which they didn't talk about ventilating people and the short shortage of ventilations. Um, I would imagine um, that meant a shortage of um, um, respiratory therapists as well. It's actually pretty scary because there was a story on the East Coast where, you know, not everyone knew how to use a ventilator and, you know, not enough staff for so many patients that, you know, you had some medical professions outside of respiratory, just pushing buttons, trying to figure out the ventilator. And if you put too much pressure into the lungs, they can pop. Oh, you know, it's Mm -hmm. dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. Oh yeah. I I hadn't thought about that, but you probably in that role would have to deal with a variety of different kinds of people, young people or kids, That's right, elderly people. Uh, you got to be really careful with that. So you, your training takes you through that, how to properly, I, I'm, I'm assuming how to properly administer the airflow uh, if you're a child and, and otherwise, if you're an elderly person or just a, or like a triathlete, you know, when, when you do that, I mean, how do you gauge how much air to put into somebody or how to make that machine work properly? Well, we have our standards, uh, which have evolved throughout the years, you know, uh, They've changed significantly. I can go into the details. Um, basically, back in the day, we used to use a standard of 10 to 12 uh, mLs of tidal volume uh, for adults, at least, for example. But then we've noticed that they've become over-distended. We don't want to cause pulmonary barotrauma anymore, so we've had to lower that that range with those numbers. So now we're using six to eight, which is mm-hmm. much lower than 10 to 12, you know, unless you have someone morbidly obese, you know, but then again, you know, it was all through trial and error, you know, not everybody really knew the effects until they had to, you know, pretty much do the research and see for themselves. You know, you can't really, it's hard to, you know, do this on a mouse. <laughs> Right, yeah. right. So I imagine COVID uh, brought a lot of the past experience and, and, and the work in the field has brought that to light. Has COVID changed some of the processes or procedures that are now being used today? Yes, because most RTs kind of went straight to intubation and putting them on a mechanical ventilator. But with the pandemic, the way this virus worked, it almost seemed like it was a death sentence putting them on the ventilator. You know, uh, which is a lot different than, say, a patient that's gotten a drug overdose and is unconscious. You know, the, mm-hmm. nothing's wrong with the lungs. They're just, you know, but with the narcotics, maybe just 
depressed and put the lungs to sleep, essentially. So that's much easier to manage than COVID where you have just this uh, acute respiratory distress syndrome where the lungs are stiffening, you know, getting harder and you're needing to put more pressure into it to ventilate. And then when you put too much pressure, that's going to mess with the heart. So then you have cardiac output decreasing, blood pressure decreasing, all these hemodynamic factors. And you're just balancing what you can, you know. So these are the things that you're teaching in your program for your respiratory therapy students. They come in and this is what they're learning. Could you tell us a little bit about, you know, some of the topics that they have to uh, pick up, some of the some of the classes they have? Of course. So they have patient assessment. They have intro to respiratory care. They both have labs for each class. Uh, We have the ventilator class, critical care management. Uh, pharmacology is very important. Um, And then they also have a board review class uh, for the board exams, the two board exams that they would have to take after the two-year program. Uh, 700 more than 700 hours of clinicals are required. We have nine clinical sites, uh, three of the big hospitals. We have St. Luke's, Ermac, and Portniff Medical Center. Um, and so it's like a big interview for them during their experience there. They're in the code blues. You know, they're drawing blood from the radial artery, uh, doing EKGs, checking out chest x-rays. Uh, a lot is involved with this program and it's pretty demanding, but, you know, so there's a lot of medical oriented yeah. programs. That's, so, that's a lot of hours. Yeah. So when someone goes into this field, are, are they, I, I mean, are they working in mostly a hospital environment or are they working mostly in a trauma environment? So they can, they have a lot of options. They can work in the hospital. Uh, they can work in a clinic, a skilled nursing facility. They can work on the life flight helicopter. Uh, they can travel if they get the highest uh, credential because there's two exams. You pass the second board exam, you get the RRT. You can go to any state or any country that offers respiratory therapy. Of course, uh, it's sad, but my my birth country doesn't even have respiratory therapy. So if you're you got those COPD ears, they're out of luck, you know. Uh, but yeah, uh, you can work in home care. Uh, you can work in a sleep lab. Oh, PFT. so it's, it's so it's a wide. I mean, I guess anytime that you need to help uh, a person breathe. Um, I, yes, so you don't. Area. You don't have to work in the ER or the ICU if you don't want to. Although you get the best experience from there, essentially. So, if I understand correctly, going back to the seven hours, you said. 700 hours plus of clinicals. This is in addition to coming to the classes, correct? Correct. All right. So what they learn in class is the theory and the practice in maybe your, your classroom labs. And then they go to a clinical site, one of those sites you mentioned, mm-hmm. and they have to put in hours there working with other respiratory therapists and doctors. Is that right? Correct. They do 12 hour shifts. So basically the way it works each semester, they have one to two classes plus their clinical shift once a week. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so they follow around an RT. They have to get in there at 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. if they're doing the night shift. Uh, And they get report, do their three rounds, give report, and then they're good to go. So 
So that's great experience for the company. And then when they're all done with that, then they have to take a, uh, a couple of final exams, but also a board. They have to go yes. a board. What, what's the board? It sounds a little scary because it is, you know, three hours long, 160 questions for the first one, uh, the therapist multiple choice exam. 20 of those questions are experimental. No one knows what they're going to be about and whether you get them right or wrong, you won't even know. Uh, so you're really graded out of 140 questions and you're trying to score above a 91. Uh, if you do score below a 91, but in the 86 to 91 region, then you can already apply for your license and you can start working, but you won't be able to work in all the states, especially California or New York, which pays higher. So you may want to get the higher credential and pass the uh, with a high cut, or high cut score of 92. Now, if you pass the high cut score with the 92, uh, then you can be eligible to take the clinical simulation exam, which is 22 simulations, but this is not going to be A, B, C, or D anymore. This is going to be up to six or eight options to click from with two correct answers. And uh, it's out of these, this bank of points. If, they, if the board likes you, they'll give you an exam with plenty of points that you can make, like the 500 points. But if they don't like you, they can give you an exam that's worth under 300 points, which means you got no room for error. I mean, you have some room for error, but you're going to be scared a little bit more. Um, but I have practice exams, three versions of both of those types of exams that are even harder than the real ones. So if they can pass my hard exams, then it's almost a guarantee that I, I say almost. So you have a way of helping them prep for the exam then? Yes. Oh, that's the final class. They, they will get so many of these practice exams. I just throw thousands of questions at them. And they I've had a 100% passing rate. Uh, oh, whoa, that's awesome. 100% wow. passing rate. Yeah. Wow, excellent, very, very excellent. Yeah. So, I'm, I mean, this sounds very, very uh, challenging as a class, but obviously it, it's very well needed. You want people certainly very experienced and qualified. Can, Johnny, in your experience, what, what kind of students make the best uh, respiratory therapists? I noticed um, we get a lot of students from the CNA background. Uh, I have students that were on wait lists for other programs uh, with high GPAs. And, you know, maybe those programs are just too full. And, you know, they the time keeps rolling by and uh, those students look into respiratory therapy as almost a backup, but, but then they realize, well, if I had known about respiratory therapy, uh, then they would have, if they had known, they would have already went there first, but uh, students that care, you know, uh, it's not about money. The money's going to be there regardless. Uh, The salary actually has picked up uh, $10,000 more than the, past years because of the pandemic. Uh, And students are interested in saving lives without having to go to school for so many years, you know? I mean, two years is, I'd say, a pretty good deal, you know? We do offer a bachelor's program as well. It's starting in the fall, the BSRT, but, you know, that's an option. Right, right. I I actually, um, uh, for another uh, video that I was doing for the College of Technology, I actually interviewed one of your students um, who had received a scholarship, uh, Zach, um, 
and his story was very poignant. Um, the reason why he got into the program, uh, he had a personal story about a friend um, uh, that he knew that had uh, breathing issues, and he was very interested in, in getting into respiratory therapy. Yes, yeah. a lot of students also have that story as well. They have family members with COPD or, you know, COVID-19 really affected their lungs where they're just not feeling the same anymore with their breathing. Uh, Zach actually, he surprised me. He took a practice exam, uh, a practice board exam online. And keep in mind, he's only finished the second semester, got over 100 Wow. scored over wow. 100 wow very very good um, yeah he seemed very committed when i talked to him yeah hey johnny we're, we're uh closing out the our timer went off but we do want to give uh, uh you a chance to respond to this question if somebody sure. wanted to get more information on your program or they wanted to talk with you is there is there a good way for them to reach out and contact you or what would you recommend you can email me uh my email address is D-E-M-E-E-U-G-E at isu.edu, or you can just put my name, Gene Demikin, at isu.edu, or you can call my cell phone number. I really don't mind. Uh, this is my passion. It's 760-822-3131. Awesome. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's good. You know, Paul, our time has come to a close here, and uh, so we're going to have to say goodbye to our- I know. I, I, had, I, had more, I had more questions for Johnny, but, but yeah. uh, maybe we can have you on again. Um, so I really, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Johnny, uh, <laughs> as the uh, program director for respiratory therapy in the college of technology at Idaho state university in the health occupation programs. Thank you so much uh, for those of you who've been listening and watching today. Uh, you know, this is an amazing career. It looks like it's, uh, doing very well out there. Good salary, you know, a good way to get into it. It's open for uh, caring people. Johnny's got an amazing program. He's got a hundred percent success right there with his students. So I know. if you're looking for this, this is the place <laughs> to come, you know, uh, reach out to Johnny or us and we'll get you in touch with him. Um, this is a, this is a wonderful opportunity uh, to listen to another difference maker in our community. Paul, you want to go ahead and close us up? Yeah. I'm going to give the, give the, uh, the, you know, same bat channel, same, uh, bat time thing here. Um, so if anyone wants to contact us at our department, you can email us at, um, cetrain at isu.edu, or you can visit our website at cetrain.isu.edu. Call us the old fashioned way, uh, 208-282- three three seven two and if you like this podcast please like subscribe share um gary it's always a pleasure doing this with you uh and again johnny so much uh thank you so much for being with us today excellent johnny thank you everybody you be safe out there